Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike as usual and we're excited to be with you. Um, the topic for the podcast today is giving thanks in pain. Uh, Thanksgiving is coming up in a few weeks and obviously a sweet time, but uh, for some of us there's pain attached to it as well. Um, not just connected with Thanksgiving, but even generally in life. So uh, we want to talk about how do you give thanks when, when life is hard and there's pain. And um, like Mike, let me just... Um, let me just pass it to you uh, with kind of maybe the obvious question. Um, why do we need to give thanks in pain? Mm-hmm. Great question. I think we need to give thanks in pain because we are to called as believers. This is, this is you know, from a believer's uh, perspective to give thanks in all things, to give thanks to God who is good and that our lives are not dependent on our circumstances or on our the feelings, even like, let's say, pain, okay? Whether that would be a real physical pain or maybe that's an emotional, a real emotional pain, but not something that maybe is tactile, okay? Um, and let me give you let me give you a preview of the next episode, listeners, just so you know where we're going with this, because we started with giving thanks in pain, which might seem like a bit counterintuitive, right? Um, like in Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, just give thanks. What are you thankful for? Most people don't stand up and the first words out of their mouth are not, I am thankful that God um, brought me through losing my job um, and I'm content in that or, or that my spouse died or that, you know, uh, a relationship was, was, you know, just did a crash land or something. But what we're going to next is how giving thanks breeds contentment. But I think that there's a secret there, and especially when Paul said in Philippians 4, 11, I've learned the secret of being content, you know, in every situation. Mm-hmm. And the idea is it's because of Christ and Christ in us, the hope of glory, and that Christ uh, uh, provides everything we need in life. Therefore, uh, all is well and all will be well in Christ, even when we are in pain. And I think, I think the, the psalmist psalmists bear it out um, hugely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got a collection of psalms that I've been reviewing, just Psalm 100, and Psalm 103, and 104, and 105, mm-hmm. 6, 7, mm-hmm. just the, the giving of thanks, not always when it was just perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like life isn't perfect, and life is filled with a lot of pain. And so I think if you can give thanks in pain, then you'll probably be more apt to give thanks when things are going well at all times. Yeah. yeah. What, what about, um, and if you want to take this in a direction too, just feel free to run with it. But I was just thinking, is there, I mean, there is a difference, but what's the difference between giving thanks in pain and maybe something more like giving thanks for pain or thanking God for those painful circumstances? Is there mm-hmm. a delineation there? Um, uh, yeah, maybe that's, I, I think one flows there. out of the other. I think if you give thanks in pain, it's because you're giving thanks for the pain as well. Like, thank you Lord for this messenger. Hmm. That's reminding me of how yeah. good you are. Yeah. And, and even though this is a painful messenger, I think the idea, you know, I can't, I heard, I read a story the other day where, and I don't remember who it was, you know, most people are going to say it's like, Oh, Spurgeon or someone, you know, some kind of story like that, where something happened and he said, uh, he was robbed and he said, thank you, Lord, that, um, that I didn't get robbed worse. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't get killed in this. Thank you, Lord, that I was not the robber, (laughs) you know, and all of these things. And it's like, thank you, Lord, for this providence of being robbed. And he saw every good thing, or he listed every good thing that went beyond the robbery, Hmm. right? And, And some people would be like yelling and screaming about how they've been mistreated. And if we could just think, let's say if a brother falls, or let's say that someone dies, or let's say that we're, 
in a um, in a relational upheaval. How about you know the blessings that are inherent around that? Like, thank you, Lord, that at this moment I did not die, though it would be as Paul says, I long to be with you one day. You know, and and to depart this life would be much better. You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that we, if we could count those blessings in pain. Um, and, and the things that wrap us in that pain, like all the wrappings around that pain, like what, you know, it, it, got, it gets us thinking deeper than just things are going well or things are going badly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. Is there anywhere that you'd like to run with this? Anything that either just from experience, things that you're seeing people deal with or anything mm-hmm. in the word or, or otherwise that you wanted to point out? Well, two things I wanted to point out. One was obviously from the word and one was from a, a missionary uh, named Amy Carmichael from from back in the past. And so, um, you know, Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Okay? Doesn't mean there's no more trouble, but the trouble of sin, he's gathered them in from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. So the idea of thanking God for delivering his people, you know, Psalm 106 is very similar. It says, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've done wickedness. Uh, But Lord, remember us. Help me. Uh, help me and help help your people and your steadfast love endures forever. And just, the, you know, Psalm 105, oh, give thanks to the Lord. I'm going backwards here because I'm going back. I want to get to Psalm 100. But oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. This is not pristine, you know, everything gets wrapped up in a half an hour sitcom life. This is where maybe you'd be going through a lot. I mean, for example, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good that your youth is renewed like the eagles? And then it says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And it doesn't mean that the oppression you know, completely ceases or is completely absent, but that God is doing something and, you know, removing our sins from us and all of that. And then you get to Psalm you get to Psalm 100, which is really a way of life. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. And the idea, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Those were courts of sacrifice. Those were courts of, of bloodshed, you know, even, of, of shedding blood for the forgiveness of sins. So I think, you know, this idea of thanksgiving, if we could almost turn it on its head and say, giving thanks in pain is the normal way of giving thanks. Because when are you not in pain in some way? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's where I would take it. And I, I would take it to Amy Carmichael, who wrote a poem once called Rose from Briar. Okay, rose from thorns. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a rose grows out of thorns. So mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a minute. But what kind of thoughts are you having on your mind about this idea of thanking God in pain. Does it mean that you're always in pain? Does it mean that you're like always kind of like giving a frown? What 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 are we talking about when we say giving thanks in pain? Yeah, I, I don't know if I have really crystallized thoughts on it. Um, 
<clears throat> I think it's important to maybe keep a distinction between the different seasons that you could go through, right? It mm-hmm. seems like in the Psalms, there's really high seasons where, and even just you read the history of the kings of Israel, you know, that's just one example, but yeah. good seasons, bad seasons. And I think our lives are the same way. There's times when it seems like pressures are just kind of mounting and, and creeping in, right? And then there's other times that maybe God gives more comparatively more peace. There is there's that underlying kind of that dull, you know, throbbing pain of the curse, right? Yes. All the time we're groaning and wishing that there wasn't the sin inside of us and outside of us. So that's always there. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I think is, and I see that book on your desk, <clears throat> excuse me, that the rare jewel of Christian contentment. I think one of the things that is, um, you know, a witness to the watching world is when somebody goes through a season of more like marked pain, but they still have this, this settledness, this peace, this joy, um, even this gratitude. I can think of people in our church who've gone through far, far, far worse things than I've ever endured. Mm-hmm. But their life is still marked by this joy, by this settledness, um, not this like despairing, just kind of fatalistic, you know, um, I throw up my hands and give up mentality that you might expect from somebody who's who's there who doesn't know Christ. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just I think that you, you, you point to the Psalms and rightly so um, a Christian's joy in a time like that can be one of the most amazing witnesses to, to unbelievers around them, as well as an encouragement to believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at how Christ is holding them up right now. And sometimes, you know, people say, um, what's the phrase? You can help me. God won't give you more than you can handle. You know that one? Um, Well, sure. You like 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Right. God won't let you. No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. But But that other one is like, always gives you more than you. The twist on that is, you know, oh, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. And of course, that's completely unbiblical. It's not true. true. He's constantly giving you more than you can handle in yourself to to throw you back on him. Exactly. And pain is probably the ultimate example of that. You know, it's the painful things where you just feel like I'm completely sinking right now. And I just, you have to depend on the Lord. Even for the joy, you might feel like a lot of times I think a believer feels like I can't have joy in this right now. It's a, a pain is too bad. And so you go in prayer and you, you ask the Lord to put something in your heart that you could never find on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting that, that no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape also that you may be, be able to endure it. That, that, that unbiblical way of saying God won't give you more than you handle is like this false hope that's like you're going to be fine and, and, and life will work out for you. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you're sinking? What if you're so scrambled? Or what if you're sincerely crushed? You know, like Paul was. What did he say in Philippians 4, uh, verse 10? I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the secret is trusting Christ, right? And who who strengthens us and and, and lives within us. And I think, um, I really think that's what Amy Carmichael was getting at. I want to read you this poem We don't do a lot of poems on the podcast, but Rose from Briar. Here's how it goes. Thou hast not that, my child, but thou hast me. And am not I alone enough for thee? I know it all. Know how thy heart was set upon this joy which is not given yet. And well I know how through the wistful days thou walkest all the dear familiar ways as unregarded as a breath of air, 
but there in love and longing always there. I know it all, but from thy briar shall blow a rose for others. As if it were not so, I would have told you. Come then, say to me, my Lord, my love, I am content with thee. Mm. Um, Amy Carmichael penned that poem. Uh, She was serving in southern India for the first half of the 20th century, in the first half of the 20th century, and um, she put herself at risk to rescue children. A lot of people know the story, but just in case you don't, uh, rescue children from enslavement as prostitutes in Hindu, Hindu temples in India. And she gave them refuge in a children's home, in a hospital at the Donover Fellowship. And Elizabeth Elliott told her story in a book called A Chance to Die. It's a wonderful book. And then there was another book that someone else wrote called Amy Carmichael of Donover. Um, the rescued children called her, called her Mama, basically Ama in, in, in India, in Farsi. And, and so um, I heard about her early on in my Christian life, but she wrote this, this poem um, in a book that she named the same name, Rose from Briar. And it was a collection of letters from those who were ill to those who are ill. So from someone that's sick and in pain, writing to someone who is sick and in pain. Hmm. And the idea was that she felt that many things that were given to people who were in pain were written from, for, for, by people that weren't in pain and that they just kind of fell empty. And she said, really, all that worked was the Word of God. But the idea that she, for many years, um, was had... Um, a lot of, of pain, and she it was a severe uh, chronic pain for 20 years of her life, the last 20 years of her life. And mm. must, much of that time, she was literally confined to her room. Mm. And so she was writing a lot. But so she wrote, and she wrote through the written word, and the, what she wrote, like in that book, Rose from Briar, came out of her pain. So the pain that disabled her, she basically used that for ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something to that. Like as the psalmist is crying out in pain, the answer is is coming from God. Uh, you know, basically, I, I uh, that, that God is good. You know, like I'm crying to you in my pain, Lord. And then by the end of the psalm, he's like worked it through, and the Lord is faithful as yeah. the Spirit gave yeah. him utterance. You know, yeah, no, that's helpful. I um. I'm just thinking, you know, if, if the Christian life in general is just, it's cross-shaped, you know, we follow after Christ and that, well, he brought life through death mm-hmm. and he, he came to glory through suffering and, um, you know, he accomplished something, the most joyful thing ever through the pain of the cross. So, yeah. you know, and we, we imitate that and follow and, and our lives embody that in some way, at least, you know, Paul says things like, I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Or he says, we're doing Second Corinthians right now. He says, death is at work in us, you know, the, the apostles. And life is at work in you because of that. But every, you know, every believer, um, when pain comes, is, is in some distant echo filling up what's lacking. Not in, not in the sense of his sufficiency to save, but in terms of the progress of the gospel. We're filling up still more all those, the sufferings of Jesus. Yeah. And we participate in that and we get to throw ourselves on the Lord and say, okay, Lord, you, you, um, you know, you promised that it'd be hard. And so mm-hmm. we trust you now. And, um, I think it was Spurgeon who said something like God's sovereignty is the pillow that I rest my head on at night or something like that. And mm-hmm. Emily and I, and any, any Christian, we come back to that again and again. If it's like, okay, there's anxiety, there's, there's stress, there's fear, there's, there's pain. Yeah. You just come back to that and go, do we know that God is sovereign? Do we know that he loves us? Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, you can take that to the bank. You know, yeah. that goes a long way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And some things I've been going through recently, I I keep reminding myself of Ephesians three twenty, that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. You know, think of salvation. We didn't ask for it. We didn't think it up, and He did it. Mm-hmm. And then everything in the Christian life is covered going forward. You know, we can't ask for everything we know we need because we don't know what we need. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We can't think up everything that we're not asking God, like giving an order at a restaurant, you know, and ordering stuff up. We're just trusting Him as we live our life. And um, I think of Hebrews 2.10, it was fitting that He for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. And then it says, for he who sanctifies and those who are who are sanctified all have one source. It's like it's from God. And, you know, the idea that he has suffered and he suffered. And so he's able to help us in our suffering. And mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. I think it's a comfort, but also it's it's a way of life. It is a you know, we say repentance is a way of life in the Christian life. And I think, uh, you know, through many tribulations, we will enter the kingdom of God, as Jesus said. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have one more thought and then I'll, I'll pass it back to you to close us. Um, <clears throat> sorry about the cough, everybody. But uh, this is my one thought. I was just going to say, you know, I think in this conversation, we need to just be careful to say, too, that we suffer, but we don't identify as sufferers in a primary way. Um, and I just say that to, to maybe put a little bit of a contrast there between what I think is actually, it's kind of, you know, picking up steam, especially with young people. There's a whole kind of category of people out there who are defined by their suffering, and I'm thinking specifically of mental health issues. Right. Um, but you could even broaden that, and and uh, I mean, um, Emily and I have, I would say, we know quite a few people who are in this camp of very central to their identity is this fact that they are suffering um, depression, anxiety. Um, you know, these kinds of things could be thrown around in that in that category. But yeah. I, believers we're not defined by our suffering at all you know paul suffered worse than most people but he said my afflictions are light and momentary compared to the glory that's coming so um you know there it's like to to show up you know jesus even talks about you know the the people who fast and they their faces are are you know they have long face walking around to show everybody look at me i'm afflicting myself i'm fasting right right and that's just not the mindset at all you know we're, we're meant to be joyful happy and even in painful times to not um to not lean into that to such an extent that that becomes the defining mark of our life. The defining mark of our life is Jesus loves me. He's given his life for me and given me new life. And, and so joy is the dominant note, even in painful times. Yeah. That's the, that's just the last thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. And, and to, and, and just to remind ourselves that joy isn't what we always define. So we sometimes think joy means that we have to be, we're, like happy in a way like we're at a party or something. Right. And the idea is that we rejoice. We remember the joy we have in Christ, even, again, go back to our topic, even in pain. Mm-hmm. So you think about um, 2 Corinthians, I think about 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. So you have a perspective here. Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. And then this idea that the life of Jesus, Christ is our very life. Um, I think if, maybe we can close with this, you know, the, the words of Romans 8, this is the ending words of Romans 8, uh, 31 to 39. Uh, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, so he was condemned. More than that, who was raised, so victory, who was at the right hand of God, he's reigning, who indeed is interceding for us, so he's praying for us right now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You can wrap all that up and just say, call that pain. Mm -hmm. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, I love that. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the love of God holding us, keeping us, and renewing our minds by His Spirit through the Word of God uh, puts us on a trajectory that makes us eternally minded, not focused on, here's all my pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's thanksgiving mm-hmm. in the midst of it yep. so praising god yep yeah absolutely yeah yeah great place to close um mike anything else from you final thoughts before we wrap it up i'm about to to bring us in for a landing here well i think i think <laughs> we, we take it back to the cross i think we take it back to the cross just like second corinthians five fourteen says the love of christ controls us we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So don't live, again, accentuating your pain, but praise God in the midst of your pain. Live for him who died in your place. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah, yeah. Last, last, I know I already said I had my last thought, but last one for me would just be, if Jesus is the head of the body, then... It's his body that often ministers his grace. And so in painful times, we need the body. You know, we need other believers to share in that pain, to bear those burdens, to walk through it with us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah Burroughs in that book that I have sitting here, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment, says this, In contentment, there is much exercise of grace. There is much strength of grace. Yea, there is much beauty of grace in contentment. There is much exercise of grace, strength of grace, and beauty of grace. I put all of these together. Hmm. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. That was a great place to end. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. We're, we're thankful for you and uh, and praying for you and thinking of you as we're uh, moving towards Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great week living life with the Lord, walking with Him, and uh, seeing to honor, honor Him in your life. And until next time, uh, God bless you. We'll talk to you next week on the podcast. Bye.